Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. It is Joel here. And, uh, man, a uh, crazy day. Sorry, I know the, the show is supposed to be going up at noon today. And, uh, unfortunately, it's now 530 uh, Eastern time, and the reason for that is pretty simple. I had a, a last-minute thing pop up, and I had to run into the city and uh, want to record it on the subway because that would be awful. So I waited until I got home. So home now, and let's just jump into this episode. Um, so episode two here. Uh, first off, welcome to the Learning Things a podcast, uh, and I'm your host for the day. My name is Beltava, uh, and so today we want to talk about tarot, and there's a few things I want to talk about relating to tarot, and this episode is really designed uh, with the beginner in mind. I'm kind of approaching this as like somebody who has always been interested in tarot, but you know maybe not necessarily knows where to start or doesn't fully understand what tarot is, or maybe they just got a reading. I mean, I know I was just in Salem for Halloween, and I assume that a lot of people get their very first, you know, uh, tarot card readings around this time of year in places like Salem and places like New Orleans, uh, places like San Francisco, you know, places that sort of have a cool witchy side to them. And so if you're a sort of old, tiny, professional tarot person, uh, this episode I will sort of re-spark a little bit of those initial things in you and also, you know, help you all just relate to sort of where I've come from walking my pagan path. So to start out, uh, I, I just want to say that the very first thing, and I, I want to kind of start with a misconception here because I think it's important in regards to tarot especially. The very first thing that I learned about tarot that really kind of shook me, um, the thing that I didn't really know is that tarot is not necessarily or even originally intended to be divinatory. Now, what does that mean? That means that fortune tellers these days are commonly associated with tarot. But in the historical life of tarot, um, that's not necessarily always been the case. These cards, if you, I think, you know, it might be a good idea if you're looking at this episode to just go, you know, if you don't have a deck of your own, um, go, you know, look at some Google images of, of, of the Rider Waite deck or, or just some other tarot deck. Um, just browse around, sort of look at the cards while I'm talking about it. Obviously, if you have a tarot deck, you'd like, I think it might be a cool idea to just sort of flip through the cards because there might be a point uh, later on in this episode where I'm referencing specific cards. So it might be nice for you to, you know, have a look and uh, for us to have that common ground. So uh, getting back to the point here, tarot historically is somewhat of a mystery depending on who you ask. Um, I think commonly what the history you're going to find is that this is something that goes back to ancient times. I think there are very few people that would dispute that. Now, the origin of, of exactly where they come from and how they ended up 
on this planet is is somewhat, you know, in doubt. Um, or at least I've heard contrasting stories. Um, you know, they are t- tightly woven into a sort of hermetic tradition that goes way, way back. And I don't even want to open up this can of worms really, but what I will say is that what I'm learning about in terms of the hermetic tradition, when I say that, I'm referring to a guy called Hermes, um, uh, whose name, last name is uh, escaping me now. I'm beginning, I'm learning paganism, hence the name of the show, don't yell at me. Um, so this is a guy who is, some people claim is essentially the father of all religions. And we're talking Egypt, uh, we're talking Babylonia, we're talking, um, you know, Mesopotamia. We're talking super duper duper old stuff, all right? And that's the technical term for it. So without sort of going down that can of worms, there are people, or opening up that can of worms, I'm mixing with metaphors, there are people who say that tarot is tied to ancient Egypt and tied to that tradition. Now, divinatorily, which is a word I just pulled out of my butthole, um, meaning tarot as a device for fortune-telling is a far more modern construct. Now, if, you're, if you are new to tarot, this might come as a surprise to you because what, I ask you, could you possibly use these cards for if not for fortune-telling? Um, if, if the point of them is not to look to the future, why in the world do they exist at all? To that, I would say, have a look at your tarot cards, and then have a look at a deck of cards. Specifically, have a look at the minor arcana, and then have a look at playing cards. Um, I think something that a lot of people don't really notice right off the bat when they're new to tarot is just how derivative playing cards are of the minor arcana. The minor arcana means, if you're looking at tarot deck and you pull out a card that says, the something, the hierophant, the lovers, the fool, the magician, the empress, the emperor, um, or just like a, a single word that means something like strength, um, you know, something like that. Um, that is what's called major arcana. And it is the first, I guess, third-ish of the deck is, is, is major arcana. Um, And then everything after that is minor arcana. So minor arcana is split into four suits. There are wands, swords, pentacles, and, um, whoa, God, cups. There we go. (laughs) I'm not looking at my deck. I told you all to look at my deck. Um, These are very similar to, or they should remind you, in theory anyway, of the four suits of playing cards. Um, and, And if you're looking for an answer as to what might tarot have been used for, when it was not used for fortune telling, I have read some places that this is, you know, kind of maybe what it was used for, that they were more of a game than they were anything else, or at least in times of history, they were treated as a game. Um, the actual meaning of tarot is perhaps more esoteric as it goes on. Um, as you start getting into European tradition and you start mixing in people like gypsies, you start mixing in different European traditions. You start mixing in people like Aleister Crowley, who had a really, really big impact on um, tarot in the Western world. Um, even people like Joseph Gardner um, and Wiccan thought has had a pretty big impact on tarot in its own way. 
So the point of tarot, at least by my understanding, is that it is least as esoteric and as varied as paganism itself. Um, there are really no right answers when it comes to tarot. Now, now let me back up a second and, and sort of, because I know, you know, there might be professional tarot readers listening to this or screaming at me right now. Um, what I mean by that is, I was at, I was at uh, the New York City Pagan Pride Fest um, in Washington uh, Square Park um, out by NYU, oh, maybe a month and a half, two months ago. And there was this really great class there on reading tarot. And the person who was leading that class said something I thought was really, really interesting. And I think it's really true. The more I learn about tarot, the more true it appears to be. And that is, she said that, there are tarot card readers or tarot scholars, people who maybe don't read the cards in a divinatory way, but are just really interested in the cards themselves, sort of academically attached, or maybe even personally attached in a divinatory way to the cards, but don't go out and read other people. There are people like that who have, and even tarot card readers at your stores, you know, at your doing shops, who have such a firm, solid understanding of the esoteric, cultural, spiritual, and historical significance of each and every one of the cards in this, you know, 78-degree deck, they have a firm understanding of what archetypes mean to individual cultures at specific times and what the sort of accumulated understanding of those archetypes is now these days in modern, uh, in our place in, in, in the modern world. These people, you know, are in a way academics related to tarot. Then, on the other side of that spectrum, there are people who have very little of that knowledge, but are very, very intuitive. And without getting into psychic or not, I'll, I'll just leave that aside, not dismissing it, but just for the purposes of this conversation right now, we're not going to get into that just yet. But there are people who are so intuitive and so emotionally present, at the very least, if not psychic, so emotionally present and aware that they can look at cards without understanding the historical, cultural, esoteric, spiritual significance of them and find a way to make the symbolism, to make the emotional resonance, to make the images and figures on these cards somehow relate emotionally or factually or spiritually to the circumstance which is going on around them or the person they're and they can do this without actually understanding what the cards themselves mean. And how this works is let's, let's open up, let's take out our tarot deck, or if you're looking at Google, um, just type in the full tarot. Um, or if you want to look at the one that I'm looking at, you can do the full Rider Waite tarot. Now, the full is, is a really interesting card tarot. Some people put him as the last card of the major arcana. Most people, I think, put him as the first. Um, from what I understand, that's been different and still is different depending on the deck you get. Now, pretend, if you do know what the fool is all about, just pretend you don't. <laughs> um, look at this card with fresh eyes, and what do you see? You see, a, a, you know, it's fairly androgynous, I would say, or at least gender-neutral figure, sort of loftily holding this flower with a knapsack on the edge of a cliff while a dog is barking at his heels and water and or perhaps maybe mountains, something is rising behind him with, it, with a clear sky off in the background. Now, 
without knowing anything about what this card means, um, just by knowing the name of the card and what you see on the card, you could make a pretty good bet about what, a pretty good assumption, rather, a pretty good guess about what the significance of this card is just by looking at it. Now, there are people who that's the whole way they read tarot, and there is nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, in fact, a lot of people have made whole careers that way. But the person at the New York Pagan Pie Fest, what she said was you have those people and you have people who are very traditionally sort of schooled in tarot, and in her opinion, the best tarot readers are the people who understand tarot the most are the people who are right in the middle. They are people who really deeply understand the background of each of these cards, but also have an intuitive attachment to them. And I think this is important because if, you, if we look at another card, let's say the Ace of Swords, Google that card or pull it out of your, your Rider Waite or whatever deck you have. In the Rider Waite deck, at least, the Ace of Swords is fairly ambiguous, especially when you compare it to something like the Fool. Without having any knowledge of what the Ace of Swords means, I feel like because there's no human in, in the card, because there's no clear emotion being stated by any human, because there's no real action or emotional resonance, at least not immediately present, in my opinion, on this card, that's a much harder to just sort of more much harder card to just kind of intuit. Now once you get into understanding what the active card means, then you start seeing the symbols. You start seeing the application of this knowledge that's been, you know, sprawled across the history, multiple cultures, multiple backgrounds, multiple incarnations and interpretations. So it's important, I think, I agree with her, that it is important to have an understanding of these cards and not in a divinatory way. Now, that might be kind of a turnoff. If you are just getting into tarot and saying, like, look, I want to get into tarot because six months I want to be charging people money for readings. What I would say to you, what I would, my response to that would be, like, let's say you went out for Halloween, you've always been into tarot, you got a tarot card reading, and you just loved it, and now you want to, you know, you want to read other people, you want that to be your world. What I would say to you is that's fantastic. I'm so happy for your optimism. That's not a bad goal to have. But I would caution you to slow down a bit and realize that these cards have a much, much deeper significance than you're going to find at a reading in any way shop. Now, that might be controversial because I've had several great readings in New Age shops. I'm sure everybody listening to this show has as well. And you might think, like, uh, well, what, what deeper meaning could there be? Here's an example. These cards, I think, can be, like any divinatory tool, um, but especially tarot for me, can be sort of pathways to the infinite, if you let them be. And not just in the back rooms of New Age shops, in your home, in your daily spiritual or meditative practice, these cards can reveal a lot to you um, in a very condensed space. And so here's what I would say about people just getting into tarot. Do not start, or at least it's my, my advice is, do not start by reading anybody. Okay? Don't let go out and get a deck and then go to a coffee shop with your friends and start trying to read each other. It might be fun, 
But my opinion is you're going to get so much more out of these cards if you get a really, really good book about tarot, a really, really good book that's grounded in a, a more historical viewpoint, a more cultural, uh, culturally influenced viewpoint, you're going to get a much richer understanding of what these cards mean so that when you do get to a point where you are using these things in a divinatory way with other people, by the time when you drop the fool down, crossing the ace of swords in the Celtic cross layout, that has such a deeper meaning to you than it would have had if you had just jumped into reading. If you really take the time to sit with the meanings of each of these individual cards and also to really, you know, uh, sort of let everything marinate in, in your spirit for a while. So here's my approach, and uh, this has changed, and I feel like this is it, it's good uh, to talk about because it's modified so much. It's been pretty, pretty steady for a while now um, in terms of, like, the method. So here's what I do. I have um, an adore uh, Rachel Pollock's 78 Degrees of Wisdom, all right? This is a tarot book. You're going to see it in pretty much every New Age shop. Um, and if they don't have it, you should ask why, because <laughs> I think they should. It is not a divinatory approach to tarot. Now, Rachel Pollock includes divinatory meanings, but they are for sure not her primary focus. When you get a tarot deck, there's usually a little white book in it. And you open it up, and that little white book has, you know, if you, if you draw the three of cups, that little white book is going to have a little, you know, three or four specific thing, usually adjectives separated by uh, some commas, that are going to tell you what the meaning of that card is. Now, Rachel Pollock's approach is to do really in-depth analysis of each individual card. I mean, it's a pretty fat book. Let's see, or I don't know, somewhere around 350 pages. Um, Pretty that book for tarot, and she really does give each card attention, but not just each card. She also gives the story of tarot as a whole attention in a variety of ways, and then layouts in a variety of ways, and different styles of reading in a variety of ways. It's a fascinating read if you're even remotely interested in tarot, and it is a fantastic tool for learning tarot in a much deeper way at least to start. Now, what I do, I have a, a little black book that every morning, um, or I try every morning, it's going to be at night tonight, <laughs> um, I sit down in, in the room and I, uh, you know, do my little rituals and write about what happens that day and do some creation statements, which is something um, that's trademarked by, by someone named Bellinay Deschamps. And if you are interested in learning more about what that is all about, um, you're going to go to Google and type in Bellamy Deschong or Live at Choice, and that is where you're going to start learning what that's all about. But um, So that's something I do. But then another part of what I do is I sit down with Rich Paul's book and my black book, and I have a little moment to speak to the governing forces of the universe as I see them. And then I draw three cards. And those three cards are showing me, hopefully, what I need to know that day. Now, the black book is each individual card in the tarot and each layout, um, or at least some popular layouts in the tarot, and, and each suit in the tarot. 
and then some just miscellaneous notes about things that I want to remember. Um, I also have gotten in the habit lately of recording audio of, of these little readings so that I can reference them later if I think they're particularly resonant um, reading for me. It's something I want to go back. I want to go back and remember later on. So these are things that I do every day now. The little black book is getting, you know, fuller and fuller every day. And some days I'm to the point now where I draw three cards that I've never seen before. Some days I'm to the point where I draw two cards that are new. Some days I don't, I don't draw any cards that are new. And the reason I'm approaching it like this is, A, I read Rachel Pollock's book, Cover to Cover. That's how I would start if I were you. Go front to back because she really does lay things out in sequence. So it's important to first consume it in sequence and understand what the tarot means from beginning to end. But then going back, for me anyway, you're not going to remember each individual card. You're going to try to, but for me it's just, it's just too much. I mean, there's 78 of them, for Christ's sake. So this is a good way for me every day to have a personal connection to a series of cards and to get a little bit deeper understanding of them. Now, what I will say, if you are new to tarot, uh, perhaps you consider this a warning, perhaps you should consider it just me being a good dude trying to give you some truth. Tarot is hard. It's hard if you're doing it right. It's hard to remember what these things mean. It's hard to draw deep, meaningful connections to them. And it is hella hard to sit down in a room with someone else and try and use your knowledge base and try and tap into the spiritual ether out there in the universe with tarot cards to try and help someone reach a higher truth or, or solve a problem or understand more about themselves or understand more about the world. It's really, really hard. So tarot as a divinatory tool, I think although it's, you know, very widely known, it's definitely not the easiest divinatory tool out there. I think scrying is probably way, way, way easier. So if you're looking, if you're just really interested in like speaking with spirits or having some kind of divination in your world, scrying is so much easier in terms of process and, and in terms of like how it works and understanding where it comes from and how you can use it in your world and it's so much easier. And then, you know, there's other, you know, uh, things that are, I would say, probably more complicated than tarot. I think runes are, look, I don't know, but they look pretty freaking complicated to my mind. So it's all about what works for you. I've always been drawn to tarot. Um, when I was a kid, I did a lot of uh, magic tricks, <laughs> card tricks. So really, honestly, I spent most of my childhood with it when I got cards in my hand. So cards have always sort of had a tactile thing for me. I've always just loved them. And so when I started getting into tarot, it was just a natural progression for me. Now, that's not to say that I don't think, you know, me staring into, uh, you know, Black Pool or Black America or Crystal Ball would not be really rad. I think mean, it probably would be. But for me, um, tarot is just a thing. So to wrap this episode up, we're going to have much deeper conversations about tarot as we move forward with learning paganism, for sure. But this is a really good place to start, I think, understanding what tarot is, um, a little bit of misconceptions about it, and a good, a good resource for you to jump in and start understanding 
a little bit deeper how tarot interplays with the universe around us. So, that being said, uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Again, sorry that it was late. I'm going to be back next Friday. And, um, geez, what's that, the day after Thanksgiving? No, that can't be right. That's like two Fridays from now. Whatever. I'll be around next Friday, hopefully at noon. That is a normal time of the show. Until then, everybody have a great week, and uh, I hope you have, uh, you know, much success walking along the path. Thanks, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.